two. Check one two. Testing, testing, one two, one two, one two, one two, one two. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to First and Goal. It is Monday, July 12th in the year 2021. Today we're coming at you with a little bit of SEC, ACC football. This is the new podcast. This is the first episode. We're going to be talking about the South Carolina Gamecocks of the SEC East. We're going to be breaking down all their spring game activity, a little bit of the recruiting throughout the summer, new coaching staff there in Columbia. But before we get into this thing, buckle up that chin strap. Make sure you got that mouthpiece in. It's going to be a hard hitter. Let's get it. going on everybody july 12th ready to talk some football i'm ben here with my co-host big rob what's going on everybody we're gonna today we're gonna get here and we're gonna talk a little bit of football you ready to talk some football let's talk football all right well let's not mess around with it we're gonna talk about the 2021 south carolina gamecocks had a two and eight record last year had a head coach depart whole coaching staff left the city was in shambles and now Shane Beamer, the new head coach, coming in, and he is looking to rebuild and make something great. And so far, the uh, returns are coming back real good for Shane Beamer. I don't know about you, but uh, I've been hearing a lot of talk about the Shane train. He's doing a lot of good things right now, getting this program turned around. And uh, But let's get into it. So Shane Beamer, first-year head coach. Now, the thing with Shane Beamer is he is has actually coached at South Carolina once before under Steve Spurrier. He was the old ball coach, eh? The old ball coach. He was a uh, special teams uh, coordinator with uh, South Carolina and uh, did a lot of good there, helped recruit, uh, brought in some big names. He was actually part of uh, bringing in Clowney, if you didn't know that, old Jadavion Clowney. That was a bad man back in the day. I remember Clowney. Did he also... If I'm mistaken, I think he was also there when they brought in some other star athletes like Alshon Jeffrey. Didn't they convert him from the USC Trojans? Brought him to what they call the real USC in South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he was uh, actually a part of that as well. Um, but now Shane Beamer's brought in some uh, assistant coaches with him. And as we all know, uh, the head coach is only as good as his assistants. He can only do so much. Uh, hence what happened uh, with South Carolina's former head coach and Will Muschamp. Yeah, old Muschamp, Coach Boone. While you're on that subject, that seems to be an ongoing problem with that man. I've noticed even when he was at Florida, he always struggled with assistant coaches, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't he? Wasn't that the big cause of his demise back there? It sure was. I didn't really follow uh, Florida too much back in those days. Um, but, I mean, the defense was never really a problem for Muschamp at Florida, from what I can recall. But offense, you know, he's a defensive-minded uh, coach. So he's not really – his offense has never really turned out too much unless he has a good coordinator. Yeah, you got to have big offense nowadays. They say the game has changed. and I don't know if the game of football has changed, if the athletes have changed, or what it is. But I will admit, it seems like nowadays football games have more of a basketball score 
than they do football scores. It seems like the days of 28-21 football games is over, and now it seems like every game you look at is a 42-35 to 35 or 49-42. or It is really high-scoring games nowadays. Yeah, and the, the thing about it is, is it just seems like anymore the team that holds the ball last is going to be the winner. And uh, you don't really have these big defensive stops like you normally did back in the um, mid you know, 2000s, you know, back when South Carolina football was all defense and you you just worried about uh, stopping and then letting Connor Shaw do his thing. Yeah, old Connor Shaw, that was a Gamecock great. I remember him back then. He was a hell of a playmaker. They got a quarterback now, though, that they say is very similar to Connor Shaw. They have a lot of similarities in there. I'm not going to condemn the young man and put too much pressure on him because everybody wants to be their own person. And from what I understand, he doesn't want to be the next Connor Shaw. I hear he wants to be the one and only Luke Doty. I'm not sure what he's going to do. But, hey, while we're talking about offenses and Shane Beamer, I understand that he brought in offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield who worked with the Joe Brady that's with the Carolina Panthers now. And if you remember right, Joe Brady, wasn't he a part of the LSU team, if I'm not mistaken, the offensive coordinator that put up historical numbers on that year with old Joe Burrow and those boys when they won the national championship. Yeah, and the great thing about Marcus Satterfield is he's coming from the NFL, fresh from the NFL as an offensive line coach. That would be a big deal because South Carolina last year, they had one of the best offensive lines in the SEC. They, they struggled with passing a little bit, pass blocking, but – at the same time, it's such a fast-paced game. Last year they had a pro-style quarterback in Colin Hill. And the biggest thing I've seen with Colin Hill was nowadays you got to have a quarterback who can do three steps, three some progressions. If it's not open, he's got to be able to get outside the pocket and create a little bit more time in the game. And Colin Hill, no knock to the young man. He seems like a great person. He looked like a great teammate from what I noticed last year and everything. But the young man had so many knee surgeries, I mean, you're basically the 10 man out there after that many knee surgeries without any WD-40. It's just hard <laughs> to get around, and, I mean, he just – he was not a dual-threat quarterback no, by no means. No, the kid wasn't mobile at all, and I don't know if it was just a coaching scheme back then either, but it just seemed like he didn't really have much of an arm to go with the immobility that he had. That It just seemed like you could – you would have to have a sundial to, to count from when he releases the ball to when Shia Smith would catch the ball. Yeah, it was – it was definitely a strange year for South Carolina football. It just it looked like from the first game through the end there, it looked like everybody was just kind of walking on eggshells. and It looked like week to week they weren't exactly sure. The only thing I noticed it was a steady thing throughout the whole entire season was they could count on Kevin Harris. They hand that young man the ball, and that looked like a tank in the backfield. The big man, Kevin Harris, I'm telling you what, when you give that man the ball, all you tell him is you're going to score me a touchdown. Yes, sir. He was a bad man last year. I swear he looked almost like a young Jerome Bettis from Notre Dame days. But uh, anyways, before we go on and off, let's dive into this new coaching staff a little bit. I'm a little interested to see who all these new coaches are. Who you got over there, Big Rob? All right. So, of course, head coach Shane Beamer coming to us from Oklahoma. And uh, he's brought in a new defensive coordinator replacing uh, the last guy. His name is Clayton White coming from uh, Western Kentucky. Clayton White, he runs a old-school defensive scheme, don't he? He runs a 4-2, almost kind of like what we ran back in the Spurrier days uh, when we had that big Spur defense. Really, really. So that's back in the days of uh, Byron Gerardo, Devin Taylor, when we had the Brinkley brothers, all them young men. Yes, sir. 
After that, it looks like uh, Mike Peterson's going to be your new linebackers coach. Mike Peterson. I know that name. Uh, where's he from there? Uh, Mike Peterson is actually, I think, the lone holdover from the Muschamp era. That's right. That's right. He was Ernest Jones' coach last year. That linebacking court, it looked solid with old Ernest Jones. I, I hated to hear South Carolina lost that young man, but he's taking his talents to the next level and wish the best luck to him. But, boy, that was one heck of a playmaker last year. It seemed like wherever the ball went, you've seen Ernest Jones. Yes, sir. Now your defensive line coach is going to be Mr. Jimmy Lindsey. Yes, sir. And then our defensive backs coach is going to be Mr. Torian Gray from Florida. Really? He was on Dan Mellon's crew last year then. Yes, sir. Coming okay. straight to us from Florida. And he's actually put a lot of kids in the NFL in that defensive backs position. And he has now coined South Carolina as DBU, Defensive Back University. Really? I mean, that's... That says a lot because, I mean, heck, just last year they had a young man go as the very first defensive player in the NFL draft last year. And they also had another one who went, I want to say, in the third or fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. Now, let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball where the scoring is done. Yeah, that's a big battle. We need to get to it. And we've already touched on the new offensive coordinator, Mr. Marcus Satterfield, coming to us from the NFL, coming to us from the Carolina Panthers. Next up, we're going to have our offensive line coach, possibly the most important man out there on that field besides Marcus Satterfield and Mr. Greg Atkins. And Mr. Greg Atkins is coming to us, I believe, from Marshall University. Yes, sir. I do believe that's correct. I'll tell you what. If that offensive line plays as hard as he goes on Twitter, <laughs> it's going to be interesting because I'll tell you what, them fellas there, they keep me laughing steady on the old Twitter. I'm telling you – you know, the exciting thing about it, too, is just watching some of his interviews that he's done um, on YouTube or, you know, on the TV and whatnot, talking about his line and the passion that he has for just the sport of football, the passion that he has for his family, the passion that he has for these kids and just that pure intensity. That's one man I wouldn't want to see in a dark alley if he's ticked off at me. No, sir, I wouldn't want to see him in a dark alley. And I'll tell you what. I also want my defense to see him on first and goal at the one-yard line, if you know what I'm saying. That's right. That's right. So we're going to step it up next, and we're going to talk about our new wide receivers coach coming to us fresh from Arkansas. His name is Mr. Justin Stepp. Really? That's a pretty exciting addition from South Carolina there, because I know Arkansas last year, their record didn't really reflect the only three wins last year. Mm -hmm. But I know that team, they like a whole – different atmosphere on the field like a big culture change and I noticed that's one of the big things I keep hearing Shane Beamer say with the South Carolina program is he wants to bring back the culture and I've noticed a lot with all these coaches he has signed you notice it wasn't no real real big name guys but if you look it's a ton of people with a lot of experience a lot of guys with chips on their shoulders mm -hmm. and every single person he has brought in has talked about how they want to make Columbia South Carolina their home and how they love it and I think that is a big key with this program oh. that I've noticed is if you get the coaches to buy into a program and a school in the city, then the players will also follow buying in on that program Absolutely. in the city. Absolutely. And every one of these coaches that has been interviewed is just always showing the gratitude of being in Columbia, South Carolina, the, just the whole idea of turning this team around, making them – something that they were way back when and it's just they're all just grateful 
and excited about the possibilities. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I know last year South Carolina they went two and eight, if I'm not mistaken. They only won two games. The year before that, I believe they went four and eight, if I'm not mistaken. But the record doesn't look so good. But what I've noticed, if you go back and look at the film on this team the last couple of years, back to back years, they pulled out wins against top teams, and they played close games against mm-hmm. very top teams. I mean, two years ago, they went into Athens, Georgia, took down Kirby Smart in between the hedges. That was a number, I think, number two or number three ranked team at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And South Carolina put it together, and they beat them. And this past year, Auburn was not a juggernaut by no means, but they still were a strong contender out of the SEC West. They were ranked in the top 15 when South Carolina played them this past year. And once again, they pulled out a very key win. And also, when they played Florida this past year, you notice they were in that game throughout it. There was some very poor clock management, I noticed. But the team, where I keep hearing everybody say that there's a talent fall off of South Carolina. They don't have the talent with these other teams. And I don't necessarily believe that. I kind of feel like when they get the kids to buy into the game and when the kids play their hearts out, they can compete with just about anybody, if you look at their record the last couple of years, if you look at all the games, look at the film, when this team's hitting on all eight cylinders, it can play. I'm telling you. <clears throat> and the thing that strikes me the most about Shane Beamer, how he's turned this team around, is if you go back and think about it, Muschamp was always talking about the different rooms, the linebacker room, the quarterback room, the wide receiver room. You really don't hear much room talk right now. It's all us. It's all team. And it's just amazing how from January to now, how this team is just so much more in tune with each other, and it's a family atmosphere. Yeah, it's definitely been a very big change. And, I mean, I think it's reflecting also in the recruiting oh, yeah. process this year. Because I noticed, I mean, Muschamp was a heck of a recruiter. I've heard them say he was quoted many times saying he could sell ice to an Eskimo. Could very well do it. But what I've noticed is in the last, I'd say last several months, it was very quiet mm-hmm. in South Carolina recruiting. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the young men could come onto the campus of South Carolina, as soon as they could see – Shane Beamer face-to-face, see all these other coaches face-to-face, see the facilities, see their teammates, see all, take in the whole South Carolina experience. I mean, the month of June, South Carolina just exploded. It was insane. I'm telling you, it was just crazy. And we'll get to some of these recruits here in just a little bit. Let's finish up with uh, the coaching staff, these new additions. So we were just talking about our wide receivers coach, Mr. Justin Stepp. Let's take it one step closer and combine the offensive line with those receivers. And let's talk about the new tight ends coach. And you may know him very well, especially if you're a South Carolina fan. We're going to talk about Mr. Tight ends coach, Mr. Eric Kimry. Eric Kimry, I know that name. He was a high school coach the last several years. I believe he was a Gamecock alumni, if I'm not mistaken, old quarterback from the Carolina days. But if I ain't mistaken, he won 12 state championships in high school. Oh, yeah. And let's not not to mention back in the uh, early days, and we'll talk about the throw. 
Really? The throw? What, the, what throw are you talking about there, Big Rob? I'm talking about that throw to win the only game of the season that year. I can't remember the actual year it was. I believe that would have to be the year 1999 or 2000. That was one of Lou Holtz's early years. Yep, Lou Holtz was the coach, and uh, Mr. Eric Kimry at the end of the game threw a bomb down the field for a touchdown. Really? And uh, he's going to be taking over tight ends duties. And talking about a tight end uh, room, we are actually, or South Carolina is actually stacked in that tight end room. And we'll get to those players in a minute. Now let's talk about another stacked room in the running backs division. Yes, sir. I am excited to hear about these South Carolina running backs. I know last year they had one last year who was just. The SEC's leading rusher, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Kevin Harris, we already talked about a minute ago. That is nothing but a very young Jerome Bettis or something, the way it looks. I mean, that young man, if you don't hit him and have your heart 100% committed to it, it looks like he will take your lunch from you and then drag you to the end zone. Yes, sir. But taking over the running back's uh, position is going to be the running back's coach is going to be Montario Hardesty. And uh, Montario Hardesty is going to be taking over that job. And uh, then we're going to be looking at our special uh, special teams coach, uh, Pete Limbo. Yes, sir. I remember uh, that was a big signing I seen all over the Internet earlier this year when they had Shane Beamer announced him. And I, if I'm not mistaken, that was one of his main coaches. He said he targeted from the very beginning that he had to have him on his staff. Yes, sir. He wanted to get back to what they call Beamer Ball. Beamer Ball. I remember that. The old Frank Beamer days in Virginia Tech, Hokie Town, Blacksburg, Virginia. Oh, yeah. His, his father. And uh, Pete Limbo is, like I said, going to be not only the special teams coach, but and he's also going to be the assistant head coach. If y'all hear a little toddler in the background, I apologize for that, but uh, that's our future college football recruit, my son. <laughs> All right. And I also want to bring a special mention into everything and talk about the new strength and conditioning coach, Mr. Luke Day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I remember watching his interview. That is one intense and energetic fella. I'm going to tell you what. He ought to be sponsored by Monster Energy Drinks or something because that young man there was full energy. If he can rub that energy off into the weight room, it's going to be a huge difference because that fella there just seems just goozing. Oh, yeah. With inspiration, energy, and optimism. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's get to talking about some of these returning players. All right, let's hear them, Big Rob. What kind of, what's these key returning players you got? All right, first key returning player is going to be the sack leader from 2020, Mr. Kingsley Ngabare. Yes, sir, yes, sir. When we start talking about that spring game here in a few minutes, I will mention him a few times. That is going to be one heck of a key player returning. That is a very, very tough man on the line, and if you were a quarterback, you got to be nervous when you go up against him. Yes, sir. And returning for our wide receivers is Mr. DeCarion Joyner. Yeah, well, that Joyner, that fellow there, he originally was a quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, when he was signed on by South Carolina, was he not? Mr. Football coming in and did uh, actually have a season where he played some football and actually, in my honest opinion, 
won us the Georgia game that you talked about earlier today. I remember the Georgia game. I don't know if he won it because Ryan Holinsky's played very well in the very beginning, who's now a Northwestern transfer. But uh, he definitely came in, and he played well enough to secure the game and put it away, burn enough time off the clock. Yeah, I remember he did make some key first downs and everything. Mm-hmm. I watched that fellow when he was in high school down here in the low country. He played for a high school called Fort Dorchester mm-hmm. High School right there in the Charleston area of South Carolina. And I would tell you what, in high school – that fellow there, I mean, it looked like the Madden 2004 days of Michael Vick. It was, it was a shame what he did to them poor high school kids. I felt sorry for him. Oh yeah. And uh, also, we're going to talk about some of these transfers that are coming in today too. A man named Debo Williams. Yes, sir. That's a middle linebacker, is he not? He's going to be a linebacker. Um, going to be a linebacker coming in for us and uh this man can carry a hit i'm telling you what he is going to he's going to rip some heads off really the old slobber knocker you say slobber knocker i'm telling you quote old jim ross good old slobber knocker yes sir and uh looks like um Sometime day there, Big Rob. Where you at now? <laughs> Just going over some notes here. Uh, yeah, Debo Williams, man, he's, he's like I said, just going to be a, a big addition to the team. He He's made some big hits in the spring game that we're going to get to here in a minute. Got a nose for the football. Um, they also had a transfer quarterback and wide receiver duo come in from some junior college levels of Division they, two or three, if I'm not mistaken, did they not? They sure did. E.J. Jenkins. Uh, he's actually going to play more of a tight end role this year with South Carolina. Uh, they want to try to, you know, use him um, in some maybe some two, you know, double tight end set or a and you know split him out or you know try to even you know have him run some blocks, some interference for these uh, kids running the ball. So he's going to be more so in a hybrid role, is what you're trying to tell me. Yes, hybrid okay, role. okay, and that, that young man there, he's what six foot seven, six foot eight. Ah, uh, the stat, official stats say he's six foot seven. Good Lord, who are they going to get to guard him, Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> I guess, and I'm telling you what, that's going to be just you know looking at some of his past plays and whatnot this man is going to be you just throw it up in the end zone he's going to come down with it uh, he's got some good hands and you know standing six foot seven he, he's got a, a good vertical jump and uh he he's just going to be a madman in that end zone yeah i've noticed some south carolina that seemed to be a position they really struggled at last year and even two years ago really is the wide receiver position it's just like they're lacking depth and i'm gonna tell you what that's a good sign. If you're a South Carolina fan, that is a very good sign of your head coach because I noticed that is one position he has really addressed this offseason is he has attacked that wide receiver position because he brought in this man, E.J. Jenkins. If I'm not mistaken, he also brought in a transfer receiver from Georgia Tech that's supposed to be a really good outside threat, man, with a lot of speed. And they also, during the spring game, I noticed there was a lot of development of DeKerion Joyner at that mm-hmm. position, and he is just really – Address this wide receiver position. You know you got good running backs. Mm-hmm. You know you got good tight ends. So when you address that wide receiver position, I mean, that's when you can really start bringing a balance back to a ball club. Last year and two years ago, if you notice South Carolina, they had a great rushing attack, but they really struggled getting the ball down the field. Yep. It became one-sided, and once it became one-dimensional, the defense could adjust, 
and the offense just seemed to shut down. Once they adjusted, they had no way to attack to keep into the ball games to stay competitive. And in this day and age of football, you have to have a balanced attack, and you have got to have a good passing attack to stay in these high-scoring games. I mean, yeah. you look at LSU, you look at Bama, you look at Florida. I mean, these teams are putting up 40 points, and no knock to Kevin Harris, no knock to the rushing attack, but you eating a lot of time off the clock. If you don't have receivers, if you don't have a way to manage the game clock, you can't stay in a 40-point ball game running the ball every other play. You just you cannot do it. Well, uh, mm-hmm. while we're – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead there, Big Bob. I didn't cut you off <laughs> no, there, buddy. No, you're perfectly good. I uh, also want to talk about some of the freshmen that we're going to be bringing in this season as well. All righty. Let her rip there, Tater Chip. What's the freshman report look like? All right. So, going to have a quarterback come in as a backup. His name is Colton Gothier. And this kid, from what I can tell, definitely has a cannon. Uh, he just needs a little bit more ch- maturity. I'll tell you what, he's got a little bit of guitar skills, too. I've been watching the young man on Twitter. That fellow there can play a heck of a guitar. Yes, sir. And we also have a wide receiver coming in from South Point, Rock Hill, South Carolina. His name is Omega Blake, and they are hoping that this kid can bring in some much-needed hand skills. That's a good area there. I remember another former Gamecock great. Came in from the Rock Hill area. Some of you might remember his name, Mr. Stephon Gilmore. If I'm not mistaken, he was a Mr. Football out of Rock Hill High School. Came in as a quarterback, later became a defensive back in the program. And uh, now that I think about it, I think just two years ago, he was the defensive player of the year in the NFL for the New England Patriots, was he not? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. So, you know, he's coming from pretty good stock in that area. That is 100% correct. And to go back over a transfer that we got in that we forgot to mention that is going to get immediate playing time that we just signed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, quarterback by the name of uh, Karen Prunty, Prunty uh, coming to us from Kansas. A quarterback or a corner? Cornerback. Oh, cornerback. Okay, okay. I got you there. So he's a defensive back. Mm, yes, sir. Defensive back. And he is actually, he won, or he was a freshman All-American. Well, that's good news because I know South Carolina, they lost a lot of depth for that position last year. They lost uh, Shiloh Sanders. He transferred to his dad's school. And I know they also lost uh, Izzy. I can't pronounce his last name. I'm (laughs) not even going to attempt to. But that was a big-time playmaker. That was a big part of the Georgia win two years ago. And they also lost Mr. J.C. Horn, who was the very first player drafted in the 2021 NFL draft. And the the most exciting thing about uh, Prunty – is that he is going to have all four years of eligibility thanks to the COVID situation. See, so you can't don't, you can't say something positive cannot come out of a negative because there you go, South Carolina Gamecock fans. You got you a good defensive back for four years. even if. But I'm not going to say he's going to be here all four years because if he was a freshman All-American, I'd say you might get two years out of him, and if he is as good as you want him to be, chances are he'll go to an NFL draft, which you might lose him, but at the same time, if he goes to the draft early, that means you've got yourself one heck of a ball player, and he's going to be making one hell of a difference on the football field. I'm telling you. Now, the wide receiver that you hit on earlier from Georgia Tech, his name is Amarian Brown. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see too much of uh, Amarian Brown during the um, spring game due to uh, just a little nagging injury. Um, but he is coming in with some um, with some big numbers uh, from a couple of years ago. 
Um, I don't have those numbers in front of me to be able to give you at the moment, but he is an exciting player to watch, and uh, we got some high hopes for him as well. Yeah, that'll be good, because I'm telling you, with EJ Jenkins coming in, you got yourself a good hybrid player. You got a returning tight end, Nick Muse, if I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's Muse or Muse. I can't remember. How do you Muse. say it? Muse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you got Nick Muse coming in at tight end position, returning. He is a big playmaker, great blocker. Seemed to have pretty good hands. Not the best speed in the world, but a very good threat, especially in the red zone. Oh, yeah. You got EJ Jenkins playing hybrid. Then you bring in this young man as a outside receiver, as a deep threat. And then you also got to carry on Joyner, who's going to be a heck of a slot receiver. I mean, really, you think about it, successful teams receiving-wise, okay? You always got a deep man. You always got a good tight end. You always got a good slot. Think about it. New England Patriots, mm-hmm. Randy Moss on the outside. They had... Gronkowski playing tight end, good threat. And then also, who was two of their best players, well-known over the last several years, Mr. Wes Welker. Oh, yeah. And they also had, um, oh, what the heck's his name? With the Patriots? Um, he just retired this past year. I can't think of his name off the top of my damn head. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember the name either. But uh, we'll come back as to long that. as you got three receiving options. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Last year, they really struggled at receiver position. They had Shy Smith, who was a slot. He wasn't really a deep threat, and they could not push the ball down the field. They really struggled with that. Shy Smith was a great receiver, nonetheless. But I mean, Nick Muse didn't get the most receptions early on in the season, which they ran a whole different offensive scheme last year. But they just really struggled because there just was not key guys. There was not. You had several guys, but there was no big-time playmakers. Right. There was a lot of guys who were getting the ball thrown at them, but there wasn't a whole lot of guys in the huddle who were saying, give me the ball, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. And to answer the question that you just posed about that wide receiver, that was Julian Edelman. That's right, Julian Edelman. Okay. I don't know how in the hell I forgot that young man's (laughs) name. I call him young man. Hell, he's older than me, but. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I mean, you got to have – a good spread across board receivers because, I mean, every team's going to have their number one defensive back. You're always going to – you're not always going to be able to have that one man open. But if you got three to four threats running around out there, plus you have guys coming out the backfield. Kevin Harris was a good receiving threat. Marshawn Lloyd, Saquandre White, who looked pretty good in that spring game. I mean, you got three good options in the backfield. Mm-hmm. I mean – Kind of makes you wonder if they might try to run a full house backfield, don't it? It makes me wonder that, but it also brings me back to what Marcus Satterfield said. He wanted to bring in that LSU offense. What was a big part of that LSU offense is they were able to spread the ball around. They had a quarterback who was mobile. He could escape the pocket. He could extend plays. There's a there's a lot of similarities. I'm not going to say this team here is about to go undefeated because let's just face it, it's year one. I think that's asking a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think you will see a very big difference in the South Carolina offense this year compared to years past. I think you're going to see a lot of heart this year. Heart wins games. I agree with that. When you get in a very close game, you want guys out there that's going to give you 120%. And, I mean, this South Carolina team, I think you're just going to see a big difference. And also, you're going to be see a team that has stability. Oh, yeah. You got coaches that want to be there. You got coaches – that are not sitting on the hot seat. Muschamp last over years was on the hot seat. I mean, hell, a lot of these guys have seen, several guys have seen three offensive coordinators in that program in the last five years. I oh, mean, yeah. numerous offensive coordinators. I mean, that's no way 
could be stability. There's no stability there. You don't know what you're going into year to year. That's right. That's right. I mean, whenever you're switching up offensive coordinators or position coaches year after year, I mean, look at the strength and conditioning coach. Didn't they have like three within the last three years? Yeah, I believe they did. I know they had a big issue with injuries there in Columbia, South Carolina. It's not like every time you turn around, there's a man down injuries. And I mean, even last year, they they really struggled with injuries. I don't know what it is, but that program's always had that problem. Oh, yeah. And so to go back through and just touch on a couple of more of these transfers before we get into the spring game, uh, looks like we're going to have another cornerback in David Spaulding coming in, transferring from Georgia Southern as well. And they're talking that he could be an immediate starter as well out there at cornerback. And we're also looking at the leading sack artist in college football at any level last season, an outside linebacker. All right, who might that be? A kid by the name of Jordan Strashen. Really? And he's coming in not from an elite school. He's Where's coming he in from Georgia State. Really? So that's a young man coming in with a big chip on his shoulder, um, coming into a big program, wanting to come up to the SEC, make a name for himself, get the NFL looking, and show that he can get the job done. He can get the job done and show that just because he might have started out at a small. Uh-oh, uh -oh, Rob. That means we have reached halftime, so uh, we're going to take us a little breather here for a second. And after this halftime, we'll come back out with a kickoff, and we're going to hit it again. We're going to get into the 2021 spring game, come in some takeaways from that, what we've seen on the offensive side of the ball, what we've seen on the defensive side of the ball, and give you a little bit of what we think we're going into this year with South Carolina. All right, we'll see y'all here in just a few minutes. All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's kick this thing off. We're going to be on receiving end coming out of halftime. I think we're doing good so far. Let's get right into it. We're going to jump right into the 2021 South Carolina spring game. All right, so talking about the spring game, what's some of the big things that you saw just leading into the game? Uh, leading off, a couple things I noticed right off the rip is South Carolina had another scholarship running backs playing. They had Quandary White taking the leading snaps. That stood out to me right off the get-go. But I noticed he had a lot of success running that ball. But um, something I noticed is I feel like South Carolina's playing pretty good poker watching that game because if you watch it and you go back to the spring game, you notice there were some big plays, but they didn't take them. Right. And it looked like, it looked like they were really – only showing a smidgen of what they really got in that playbook. I really didn't see, but about maybe, hell, I don't know, 10, 12 different plays the whole spring game. Yeah, it just looked like a lot of read options. Speaking of read options, you actually picked up something that a lot of us ordinary fans might have not have seen in what they plan on doing with Doty. You would care to elaborate on that? Yeah, I would love to get into that. Okay, Luke Doty coming in. One of the big questions I've noticed going off last year and coming in this year is I've had a lot of feedback, seen a lot of people questioning, saying, can this young man push the ball down the field? Is he really starting quarterback? A lot of people coming out of spring game saying, oh, Jason Brown should be the starting quarterback. He's got a better arm, got a better release going on, on saying he's our guy. But one thing I noticed is, okay, like I said earlier, you want your offense to be balanced. 
Zaquandre mm-hmm. White had a lot of success in that rushing game. But what I noticed is the South Carolina rushing program in 2021, believe it or not, it's not going to run through Kevin Harris. No. It's not going to run through Marshawn Lloyd. It's not going to go through Zaquandre White. It's not going to go through any of these running backs. The key player on this offense in the 2021 rushing court attack is going to be Luke Doty. That's why you have a dual-threat quarterback. If you notice in the spring game, you look at the film, mm-hmm. the reasons that Quandre White and all these guys were having such success is you know you got a quarterback that can run a full four. Right. I mean, that's one fast white boy. Oh, yeah. When you have a quarterback with that kind of speed, that kind of elusiveness, your defensive ends on the outside, your linebackers, your defensive backs, they all have to respect that speed. They have to sit there, and they have to honor that man. They have to keep – it honest. Mm-hmm. They can't commit to a play because if you bite down on that running back every single play, what happens when he keeps the ball? Yep. You let a man with full four speed get on the outside, he's taking it down the field. And what I notice is every single play, you notice those defensive ends, they had to stay home. Or they would sit there and they would bite on Doty after he handed the ball to Quandre. The linebackers, they would not step up and commit. And the only reason they would not step up and commit is – they knew if Doty got on the outside, it would be long gone. By the time they noticed the running back had the ball, the young man's already at a full sprint. He's already at the line of scrimmage or two yards ahead. And at that point, you got to correct yourself. You got to get after him. By the time you get him down, five, six yards. Right. When you got, when you're getting five, six yards of play, what happens? First down after first down, clock management. You eat up the clock. That's exactly right. When you're able to run the ball that effectively. What does defensive backs do? They're going to come up and they're going to fill in the box. That's exactly right. They're going to start stacking the box because after a while, they're going to sit there and they're going to say, okay, one of the two of these guys is going to get it. We're going to have to move up. We're going to have to move up. You hit a play-action pass. Well, I noticed in that spring game, he didn't take it. But you notice when he hit the play-action pass, you would see wide-open men running down the field. Yep, he wouldn't He wouldn't throw that long ball, but he would hit Dak Joyner underneath or he would try to hit Nick Muse or one of these other players that are underneath not really wanting to show off his arm strength. That's exactly right. I believe Duke Doty can actually sling the ball pretty good. I believe it's like a good old game of poker. Why show your whole hand? Right. Why don't you let the bet get up? Why don't you let everybody get all the ante in there? And then once you build that pot up and everybody thinks they got you, then you lay the full house down on them. Right. Absolutely. That I'm telling you, it's after you showed me that when we were doing our film study of the game, it just opened my eyes because I was also one of those that thought that uh, Brown should be the starting quarterback just going off of the arm strength, his accuracy. But if you watch him, whenever he hands off the ball, they, they don't respect the read option uh, from Josh Brown. They they knew to bite on that running game because Brown just, just can't get outside like Luke Doty could. That's exactly right. So the thing is, when you got Brown, the same problem South Carolina had last year with Colin Hill. Yeah, they ran the ball effectively with Kevin Harris, but at the same time, okay, when you run a read option with a pro-style quarterback, your linebackers are faster than that quarterback is. Mm-hmm. They can bite down that running back because if he gets outside, they can run him down. He ain't right. going far. But when you got a dual-threat quarterback in there, you cannot commit. You could do so many different plays off of one. The quarterback keep it, get outside. You can hand the ball off, go up the middle. You could play action. There's so many different doors going off of having a dual-threat quarterback. Everybody thinks a dual-threat quarterback, oh, he's going to run the ball, it's going to be Michael Vick, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. That's not the way it is. Deshaun Watson, 
the Clemson Tiger quarterback. Mm -hmm. Was he the most athletic in the world? No. But he was elusive. Trevor Lawrence is the same way. It opens the door to so many different things. You have to be a balanced team. If you get a pro-style gunslinger in there like Jason Brown or Ryan Helensky or any of these guys, yeah, they can sling the ball. But you got to have a good running game to open up the passing game. Right. If they shut down your running game, you have no rushing offense left whatsoever, then they can focus on nothing but the pass. They yep. make you one-dimensional. Once they make you one-dimensional, it's easy for a defense to shut you down. Yep. If you can run the ball first down on a read option, give it to the running back. He gets three yards. Second down, you run a read option again. If they bite on the running back, quarterback keeps it, goes outside, gets a couple more yards. Then you're set up with a third and one, third and two. Mm -hmm. Then you can be in the gun, run a shotgun. All right, do a play-action play. They're going to bite on the run. It's third and short. Have a man down the field. There's so many different things. See, South Carolina used to run a very similar offense the very same way with Connor Shaw. Mm-hmm. That's why they had so much success. You think about South Carolina for a while there. They went from Steven Garcia to Connor Shaw. Garcia was not as mobile as Connor Shaw, but the reason those offenses had success is because the defense had to respect them. They could not commit. They were not one-dimensional. You could hand the ball to Marcus Lattimore or Mike Davis, get a seven-yard gain. Mm -hmm. The quarterback could keep it, get 10, 15 yards. Or you could sling it down the field to all Sean Jeffrey or A. Sanders, or many other people. I mean, there are so many things you can do with a mobile quarterback, and that's something South Carolina was missing. Last year, Luke Doty did not have the most success, but at the same time, last year, South Carolina did not have the receiving options they have this year. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more guys coming in that room. They're coming with more of a spread attack this year. Last year was a lot of under center, a lot of smash-mouth football, and no knock to Mike Bobo, but the simple thing is, Mike Bobo has been known for two different kind of offensive players going to the NFL. He's always been known to get running backs to the NFL. I mean, you look at Todd Gurley, mm -hmm. you look at Nick Chubb, those guys, right. big running backs. Under center. Oh, oh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you got two running backs under center, mm -hmm. just like Kevin Harris last year had big years. The quarterbacks he was known for, Aaron Murray, pro-style right. quarterback, Matthew Stafford, pro-style quarterback. The only big receiver that I can really think of Georgia taking to the NFL was A.J. Green, but he had a pro-style quarterback in Matthew Stafford throwing at him. And at the same time, what did Georgia have that opened up that receiving option? They had a good rushing attack. Right. When you have a spread offense out the gun with a dual <laughs> – Sorry about that, y'all. <laughs> But uh, when you have a dual-threat quarterback in the gun spread formation, you don't know what the hell to line up for. Right. I mean, you just you have so many things you've got to prepare for. Right. You've got the, the read options. You've got, you know, just a straight handoff. Or you can even have to worry about the end of round. And direct snaps. Direct snaps. Um you know, a keeper all the way. It's just there's a number of things that that you can do to play off of a mobile quarterback. That's exactly right. I mean, you look in the NFL nowadays, a lot of these teams that have big success in their passing game is off of a good rushing attack. Right. The key to a good passing game is a good rushing attack. Cleveland Browns this past year, Baker Mayfield, 
not the most consistent guy in the world. Struggled right. year after year after year, a couple of years. He did, had a decent rookie season. But this year, what really helped Baker Mayfield? They had the best rushing attack in the NFL. Right. Once they started running the ball down some teams' throats, they were able to play action. Once they were able to play action, he could throw a deep ball to Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. It opens it up because guys are coming up. They're going to stack the box to stop the run. Right. If you have no rushing game, then they don't have to stack the box. They can let the defensive back sit back there. They can back the linebackers up a little bit. And then you can play the passing game. Right. And, I mean, hell, look at uh, Kansas City with my homeboy, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, my homeboy. <laughs> that kid is uh, – He's got some decent legs on him. Uh, they've got a pretty good rushing attack, and that boy's got an arm, a cannon. So you just never know what to expect. That's exactly right. You can be a pass-heavy team, but the simple truth is you ain't going to always have a Peyton Manning. You're not always going to have a Brett Favre or an Aaron Rodgers. You got If you have a quarterback, you can have a good quarterback but not great quarterback and do big things off of a rushing attack. Alex Smith. Russian-led teams with Frank Gore. Mm-hmm. Then when he had, um, what the hell's old boy name? He went to Cleveland this year. He was a damn chief for a long time. Leading rusher. If you have a good running back, it opens up the pass game because you can control the game with the run. And yeah. I think that's what you can expect with the South Carolina team. They're talking about being a very points-heavy LSU-type offense. I think it'll be that. I think it'll be explosive plays, but it's going to be off of – the running game, yep. but it's not going to be feed the ball to Kevin Harris 25 times a game. It's going to be, is Kevin Harris getting the ball? Is Luke Doty getting the ball? Who the hell is getting the ball? Right. Keep them guessing. That's, that's, I think that's going to be, that, that's going to be the, the key to everything this season under Marcus Satterfield. But let's go a next step and tell me, how do you feel that, uh, to carry on Joyner did in the spring game? Personally, I think he did great. I think he finally looked like he had settled in a receiver position. He probably settled in because he says, hey, new coaching staff's in. These guys are here to stay. They got him to buy into it the same way they bought it. That's all I mean. When you establish a culture, the coaches buy into it. When the coaches buy into it, the players buy into it. DeCurry and Joyner look great. He looked like night and day from last year to this year. He sure did. He reminded me a lot of a former South Carolina player, Mr. A. Sanders, or better yet, a former South Carolina player who was recruited as a quarterback and transferred to the wide receiver position, the late Kenny McKinley, who was one of the best wide receivers of all time at South Carolina. I tell you, I think Dak is going to be sort of the shy Smith this season as far as a possession wide receiver goes. And somebody else that really impressed me, and this boy can run the ball, and he could also go out there and catch the ball. He's almost like a wide receiver hybrid himself, Mr. Jakeem Bell, number 23. Yes, sir, and that is one big fellow. And I'll tell you what, in that spring game, one thing I noticed about him, too, is these guys here are not breathing heavy. That young man was going out, and he was taking reps with one offense and running back, and then when the offense, next offense came off the field, he didn't lead field. Mm-mm. He would stay out there and play tight end. And he was effective at both. He could pick up blocks. Mm-hmm. He could run the ball. He could catch the ball. There's so many things you can do when you got a physical player like that who oh, is yeah. in great shape. Oh, yeah. Another man who I think very much has bought into the program of South Carolina. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He. Um, what impressed me the most is some of the big runs that he broke off and then come back 
and would go out on a passing route and still come back and he didn't have his hands on his knees. He wasn't breathing heavy. He was just, it was all business for Jakeem Bell. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree 120%. He really did impress me. I mean, these kids, they got out there now. That's something I understand is with college football, I think a lot of times people buy into how many stars a recruit is. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, if you got five-star players, they're going to be great. That's not always the case. There's always bust every year. There's always there's more five-star players who don't live up to the hype than they do. But there's a lot of three-star players that overachieve. Right. I would rather have a team of overachievers than only three or four guys that live up to the hype. And speaking of underachieving, and I hate to say it, but there's a five-star kid out there that was playing in the spring game that just really looked like he was just not in the right league that he needed to be in. I got a good feeling I know exactly who you're talking well, about. Why don't um, you tell us? I believe the young man's name is Jordan Birch. And one thing I noticed with him, I'm not knocking the fella. I think he could very he was a five star player. I think he could very well live up to his five star name. But one thing I noticed with him is this is my point. He was recruited as a five star defensive end pass rushing type player. In that spring game in South Carolina, he just he looked like he lacked the size to be an effective player. Yeah, he really did. He showed explosiveness. He showed speed off the ball. But when you're outweighed by 80 pounds to 100 pounds, that's a lot he was to overcome. He was outweighed, and it really looked like he was outmuscled, too. That's all I'm saying. I mean, but the beautiful thing is you can take a young man like that, and if you want to, you can make a linebacker out of him. Look at your Davion Clowney. Yeah. He was a defensive end and edge rusher the whole time in South Carolina. As soon as he went to the NFL, a lot of his years at the Houston Texans, he played almost like a linebacker role because he just was a little bit undersized in the NFL. Right. Yeah, he um, – we're going to talk next about O.Z. White. Uh, he really looked good in that play, uh, in the plays that uh, we were able to see him in. He gained a lot of yards, um, and a lot of that has to do with Doty being able to, to hand off the ball and they have to key on him. But there was a couple of things that, that really worried me, one of which he's actually self, uh, suffered from fumbleitis in the past. And in this spring game, it, there was a play where Doty went to hand off to Z, and Z, I don't know if it was Doty was trying to hang on to the ball or trying to give the ball away, but the ball hit the ground causing a turnover. And uh, it just worries me about going forward with him. Yeah, um, I understand your worry there. You, you always want to worry about turnovers. That's something you can't give up a lot, especially in the SEC. That's one of the fastest leagues. One of the fastest divisions in the country when it comes to college football. Fastest, most physical. I mean, they really get after the ball. All those kids are hungry for the ball. But one thing I can say about Squandre White is he's not your number one guy mm -hmm. by no means. But I do think he could be part of a three-headed monster in that backfield. I mean, it's early in the spring. It's early coaching staff. He did fumble the ball, but the young man does have all summer to work on it. 
and that's a small problem to fix. It's a big yeah. deal. It can be a big problem. But when you got a guy that's giving one hundred and twenty percent effort, and I do, I will say the young man like he played he his really heart did. out. He really ran hard for his size. Ran very downhill. Looked very elusive. Caught the ball out the backfield. Did pretty good. If you got a man that's got a lot of heart, very physical, got a lot of natural talent, you can teach somebody how to hang on to the ball. And I believe the staff will address it. And I mean, South Carolina's a little bit of a dark horse this year. Don't get me wrong. I don't see this team being a undefeated SEC contender this year by no means. Right. It's a rebuilding program, make no mistake about it. But I think they're off to a really good start. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll, later on, we will go over you know, some of our projections for South Carolina and what we think is going to happen as far as win-loss record. Uh, but I am going to say that I do think that we're going to be a bolt contender. I really do. I, I think that South Carolina will, you know, they, they could win five, six, possibly even seven games just depending on, you know, how they hit some of these teams coming up, you know, what, you know, sort of injuries that other teams may have. And, you know, again, it could be another three-win season depending on South Carolina's injuries. That's exactly right. I mean, you never know with a new coaching staff. Everything sounds good at the honeymoon. Everything sounds good. Oh, yeah. But once you get down to the nitty-gritty, that's where you find out what you got. And I know that we uh, were talking about Debo Williams earlier on. Um, but what did you see from Debo in the spring game that you really loved and maybe what you didn't necessarily love too much? Uh, I'll tell you one thing that impressed me more than anything with Debo Williams. And it's something you really don't see a whole lot of nowadays and this is one thing that you cannot teach this is a natural talent what stood out to me more than anything is when he was on the field he didn't read the backfield when they ran the ball what Debo Williams read is he read the offensive lineman I watched on multiple plays where you would see the offensive guard pull mm -hmm. and as soon as that guard pulled Debo would beat him to the hole and get running back. And you would sit there and watch his head, and he would – you could tell he read the offensive line pulling. Mm -hmm. You get a linebacker that can read your offensive line, you're in for a world of trouble. And even if Debo didn't get to the ball carrier, he would actually blow the hole up, and that way some of the defensive linemen or the other linebacker could uh, come up in there and, you know, stop that run. Well, that's the whole beauty of a middle linebacker and your defensive tackle. That's what your interior, your defense is supposed to do. If you stop the interior of a running play, then the runner has no place to go but outside. And at that point, you got your outside linebackers, you got your defensive ends staying home, you got your corners, you got your safeties, you got your spurs, you got all these guys. If the runner gets stopped right there at the line of scrimmage and then they have to bounce outside, that stops all forward momentum. He has to turn, and a lot of times that ends up being a play to stop in the backfield to tackle for a loss. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And before you get into something else, I want to mention a few things about the South Carolina defense. So, Okay. Last year, one of the issues they had was they struggled stopping the run. That's one thing that killed them last year. They had a decent pass defense. It wasn't the best in the world by no means. 
It was not a good unit altogether last year. You're 100 percent correct. It just you had got you had a bunch of individuals. There were several individuals who had great games, but there was really not a single game where the defense had a great game as a unit. And I think that's a big thing with this new coaching staff. One thing that they're really trying to reiterate is this is going to be a team, not an individual. You want that with every school. Tennessee suffered from the same problem last year. A lot of individuals, not a lot of team. This year here, what I noticed in the spring game is the defense looked like a unit all together. Oh, yeah. You had Inga Barr, the defensive end. He looked like Khalil Mack out there. I seen him yeah. grab a offensive lineman and throw him over his shoulder. <laughs> I saw that too. But that was very impressive. What impressed me about Inga Barr is the reason he was able to get to the quarterback so many times in that spring game was the simple fact that there was tight coverage, the middle was stopped up, there was pressure from the inside, the quarterback would try to go outside. He stayed home. He was there. He was ready. Right. He did bite a few times on a read option. Not the best thing in the world. He bit on the quarterback when he should have committed to the running back. But at the same time, that's the defensive end's job. You got to stay home. He stayed home a little too late. He was a little hesitant. But when you got a speed demon of a quarterback, that's an advantage you're going to have over these defenses. Absolutely. And then you also have Zach Pickens lining up on the interior of that defense, returning player. That's a big hole stopper. You got a transfer coming in from the Brass Cornhuskers. Big guy. Mm-hmm. Big inside lineman going to stop up a hole. The defense did not do a good job stopping holes last year. They got pushed around. They got bullied. It was ugly. A lot of these same guys. But this year here, the way it looks, for me at least, what I picked up on the spring game, and I mean it's hard to tell because they're playing their own team, and it was not a good team last year. So right. you're only as good as your record. Right. So for what it's worth, they were playing against a 2-8 and eight team last year. But with a new coaching staff, also, this team is 0-0. Right. And the thing you also have to remember, too, with the spring game was there were like 12 or 14 players out with injuries that couldn't play. And so there was a lot of people that were either playing both ways or, um, you know, they were just doing, you know, some sort of drills, you know, at some you know, at some circumstances. So, I mean, we didn't really get to see the full – you know, what the full Monty, so to speak, of what we're offering. And, of course, they're not going to show that, it being spring ball. And, you know, like you said, it's a poker game. We're just going to see what they want us to see and try to work on some things. But the future is very bright for South Carolina. I believe it could be very good. I mean, they got a lot of work to do. They got a lot of things they got to fix in that program. But – one of the biggest things they need to fix is something they have addressed early on, and that is the heart. That is culture. Yes. You establish a culture. You get a team to buy in. You get the coaches to buy in. You get heart. You get effort. That's the first step. Absolutely. You, you got to have a strong foundation. And the crazy thing about it is not only is the team buying in, but the recruits are buying in. They're trying to recruit each other coming into South Carolina for 2022. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have some really big names out there. They've been signed. They got a lot of guys. I mean, June was an explosion for South Carolina recruiting in. But, I mean, look at what they have already in place. All right, you got Luke Doty, your starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. You got Colton Gauthier in the spring game. Mm-hmm. One thing I noticed right away, young man, he seemed to have a lot of arm strength, but he had mobility. He mm-hmm. fit 
their scheme. Mm-hmm. One of the big recruits that's already committed is a dual-threat quarterback. He fits the scheme. Braden Davis. That's exactly right. You got a guy who is buying into the program. All right, and uh, it looks like we are just about at the end of the game. Looks like we got a couple of seconds left. Any final thoughts about South Carolina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and hit this two-minute drill. Um, my final takeaways for South Carolina would have to be: you got to go with what you got. You got to go where your gravy is. Mm-hmm. You got a big offensive line returning. You got a number one rusher in the SEC. You have a dual threat quarterback. You're bringing in wide receivers. Make explosive plays. Make this offensive explosive. Make this offense run off the rushing game with a dual-threat quarterback mm-hmm. to open up gaps in your passing game. Mm-hmm. Don't be one-dimensional, and I think they're going to do a good job of being a balanced program. I do think they have a few weaknesses still on offense and need some touching up. Doty, I mean, he's still young. Yep, he's still green. I mean, the young man was a receiver for half a year last year. This is going to be his first year having a whole preseason as a quarterback solely at that position, and he's coming into the year with a team on his shoulders, relying on him to be the man. You got Kevin Harris coming in. Take the pressure off of your quarterback. Right. And I think he can do the job. He carried a lot of the workload last year. You have a five-star running back coming back this year, Marshawn Lloyd. Coming back from injury. That's exactly right. He's going to lighten the load on Kevin Harris. you got to lean on your brothers. Mm -hmm. And I think South Carolina and Shane Beamer and those boys are going to do it. This team this year – I mean, it could go, it could go either way, really. But it just all depends. It depends on the coaching staff. Depends on how well these players commit. Depends on injuries. You got to execute. Yep. This team, in all reality, with the schedule they have, they could be a seven-win team this year. I, I agree. mean, you got a lot of guys who they say are toss-ups, but really, I mean, you look at them, Kentucky. They don't know who the hell their quarterback is this year. Right. They ain't got the slightest clue. They didn't have a spring game to test out. I mean, in a real game scenario. Right. And then you got to look at Tennessee and all the off-field problems that they've had this season, not to mention Florida. Yeah, the old Happy Meal disaster of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, uh, I try not to knock Tennessee. I mean, that's a good program. I hate to see they went through what they went through. I mean, they were national champions in the 90s, and, I mean, hell, even through the 2000s, I remember seeing them playing in the Orange Bowl against Clemson. I mean, they yep. should – that's a team that has potential to be in a BCS Bowl every yes, year. Sir. I mean, one of the big bowl games. They should be a SEC East contender every year, but they're in shambles. They're rebuilding right now, just right. like South Carolina. Exactly. You got a coach coming in from Central Florida. He was a good coach down there, had a great record, but at the same time, He's not proven in SEC. Neither is Shane Beamer. And the thing about Tennessee is, too, I mean, not not to mention the, the off-field shambles like you call the, the Happy Meal fiasco, but you've also got a lot of these kids transferring out. <laughs> but you've got a lot of these kids actually transferring out, going to Auburn or Georgia or, you know, things of that nature that, that they really leaned on last season. So... You know, it's going to be a question on who's going to step up into that role for them this season. 
and I really think that South Carolina's got the opportunity to win the Tennessee game, Florida game. You've got a coach that openly talked about wanting to go to the NFL this season, and I can't blame them. That's more money, but at the same time, what message does that send to your team, to your recruits? That's exactly right. Kids are going to want a coaching staff that's going to buy in. They want a coaching staff that's going to be there. They want someone that's going to say, hey, when I'm going to be here in three years when you're developed. Mm-hmm. In three years, they're going to be contending for national championships. They want to hear, hey, y'all got any NFL openings? Right. I'm, I'm more than open to taking a coaching job, just w- what's available out there. That's exactly right. Don't get me wrong. Florida's got a lot of talent. They could be a SEC East contender this year. They were last year. Hell, they should be every year. They really should. I mean, they're a powerhouse university. Every year they got talent. They could do big things. And I mean, but you got to remember also, they had a great quarterback last year, Kyle Trask. They're starting fresh this year, mm-hmm. unproven at quarterback. Same problem Kentucky has. Same problem Tennessee has. Mm-hmm. They don't know who the quarterback is. I mean, you got three teams right there that you never know. They could really pull something out. Missouri, they had a great defense last year, but one problem with Missouri was their offense did not put up points last year. Right. They, they put up points against South Carolina, but, I mean, hell, who didn't? Right. Well, and they've got a returning quarterback this year that they really think could be the next big thing, but what does he have around them? What kind of line do they got? What kind of wide receivers do they got? And we're going to touch on that going forward in one of these next podcasts that y'all will be hearing. Oh, yeah. Before kickoff, we're going to cover every ACC team and SEC team. We're going to go through them all. We're going to break them down. We're going to give all you a view on the inside. But today, we were starting with South Carolina. And like I said, I mean, this could really be a dark horse team in the SEC East. Georgia, I don't know if they have anything with Georgia. Kirby Smart and those guys, they got it going on. But at the same time, look at two years ago. This is – South Carolina is a school that has been known for surprising the hell out of people when you least expect it. Yeah, it's – Georgia, look at the upset from a couple years ago. Auburn – from a couple of years ago, or Auburn from last year. Auburn from a couple of, or Auburn from last year with uh, the big upset there when South Carolina probably should have only won one game last year. And it's lucky that they even, you know, uh, could have beat uh, Vanderbilt. I mean, you've got a good point there. And that's another team in the SEC South getting ready to talk about. I mean, Vanderbilt, once again, you got a school that's rebuilding. I mean, every year has been kind of a rebuild for Vandy for a while now. But, I mean, it does appear they do have a coach buying in. So, I mean, it really, this year, from second place back, it could be anybody's game in the SEC East. Really, Florida, you think they're going to be number two. But after that, you don't know. South Carolina could very well be a third place in the SEC team, or they could be dead last. You don't know. And that's yeah. the beautiful thing about college football is every Saturday you don't know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah. You might think you do, but look at the upsets in the past years. Oh, yeah. Big upsets. Teams that you would never, ever imagine. I mean, look at the Clemson game last year with Notre Dame. Did you see that happening? Mm. Well, Trevor Lawrence out the game. I thought. I thought they had a good chance with Trevor Lawrence out the game, but when Trevor Lawrence came back, 
That, that gave, was a wrap. That gave him a swift kick in the ass and sent him home packing. That was a wrap. And that's my point. You got to know what you got. Clemson looked like a national championship contender. I mean, until they played Ohio State. We all know what happened there. Right. But, I mean, just one player, they got beat by Notre Dame. They went toe-to-toe with Boston College. Barely scraped by on that one. So you got guys like Kyle Trask leaving Florida. What impact is that going to have on that team? Kentucky, hell, they, they didn't have a whole hell of a lot of success at the quarterback position last year. But now, they don't know who the hell's going to have it. Right. I mean, that's one thing you can say about South Carolina is at least they do know we have our number one man. Right, exactly. We, we don't have to worry about the quarterback position too much. Of course, position battles are going to happen all throughout preseason. And, um, but as it looks right now, Doty's going to be the number one quarterback. I just got to see, you know, who's going to end up taking the wide receiver spots. I mean, we know pretty much who's going to be our tight ends, our line. But um, it's just – it's going to be an interesting season this season for South Carolina, I do believe. That's right. It's going to be an interesting season for South Carolina. I believe it's going to be an interesting season for the rest of the SEC. That's why I love the SEC and the ACC is because from year to year, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you got Clemson and ACC. You got Bama and the SEC. But after that, you really don't know. And, I mean, hell, ACC – you got North Carolina building the program. Oh, yeah. This could be the year they take Clemson. And the SEC, you got Texas A&M steady building something. You got Georgia. Could this be the Bulldogs' year where they go back to the damn glory land? You just don't know. Yes, sir. All right, I believe that's where we're going to wrap it up. And uh, just stay tuned coming up. Uh, we do our shows every Monday. And uh, hopefully we'll get them uh, put out right away. And we want to thank you guys for stopping by. That's right. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Check us out on Twitter. We'll be around. Uh, if you don't mind, leave us comments. Give us your input. We'd love to talk to you, answer any kind of questions you got. And until then, let's uh, wrap this thing up, hit the locker room, and get ready for the next one. Get, hit the showers. We'll talk to you all later. Y'all have a good one.